What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards. Welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. And we got a full pack episode coming up because midweek there's Champions League. Midweek, Arsenal is going to face Man City. Uh, we just had the Merseyside Derby. Uh, charges have been leveraged against Man City and it has charged them up. That's a new team out there. And good luck to the rest of the Premier League because they are angry. There's been a lot of bad bar calls this weekend, bad calls and bad non-calls. So, you know, Lee's team, I mean, Neil's team could have had a three-point game, but they got only one. And uh, United marches on. Nathan Jones is out. That was That's brief. That was a brief spell as a, as a coach in... <laughs> in the Premier League. We'll, we'll, we'll see what the record is on that. We'll, ch- we'll check. But uh, they don't I've already checked. <laughs> <You're> already checked. <laughs> numbers, I've got the numbers for you already. We've got to see this. All right. So where do we start first? Do we start at the Merseyside Derby? Yeah, yeah, let's do that so we could just go into the to the Arsenal to the, to the, to the, to the Arsenal Man City of things. Oh, oh let's talk about Man City beating Villa and, uh, you know, and, and Arsenal and uh, versus Brentford next and then we'll go Merseyside. Is that, do you think that should be the other guys? And we got yes. uh, Lee Hudson, stand-up comic from England, Southampton fan. He's happy he's wearing a shirt. Nathan is <laughs> gone. So he's I'm not happy, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. I'm 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 upset it ever happened. Um, <laughs> well, well, it because happened, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean we'll get into it, but yeah, I mean I'm I'm, I'm glad they 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 pulled the trigger, but it should have never happened. Southampton's nine eleven is over, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got Neil. Probably Shaw way more planning at, <laughs> it, it, that led to nine eleven than this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. To, to appoint them, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I mean Southampton really. I, I mean, you should be worried about that board that did this now. That's that's the problem because they're still there. Uh, that's a huge mistake that they made. And then so Nathan's gone, and we got Neil Shakovati, stand-up comic, and Chelsea fan, and you know, you know, still getting used to his team. It's almost as if. You just join Chelsea as a fan, and you're trying to you just start to remember <laughs> the name of the players. That's how many you got. But yeah. uh, we'll start with Man City versus Villa, and this game was important because if Man City wins this game, they have a chance when they play Arsenal midweek on Wednesday to uh, to take the lead, even though Arsenal will have a game in hand, but. The beauty of this game is in prior games, let's go back to when uh, Man City lost to, when, when they beat Spurs. And Pep was talking after the game, not about the game, but about the fire that his team lacked. And you could tell that he's worried about the momentum of Arsenal and everything that they had going on their youth, their energy, all their wins and their results. And he felt, and he made it sound like his team was missing something. Well, then a week or two later, the FA 
and the UEFA or just FA? Uh, the Premier League. The Premier League levied 115 charges against Man City. And boy, did this give Pep the, the fire that he was looking for. Like, this might be a blessing in disguise, like from this part of the season onward. Like, Pep knew, like, Pep doubled down this week and he says, I'm sticking with this team. Uh, we didn't cheat and we're going to fight these charges off the court and we're going to fight you on the court. And he's fired up his players and they went out against Villa and it was like better than a new manager bounce. Like, Man City has not looked great a lot, even though they're, you know, for them, let's just say for them, even though their record is great, but Villa did not stand a chance against this team. You, there's pictures of the bus pulling up. There's people outside the stadium, like, like, like we're going down with the Titanic. Pep is going down with the Titanic. We're going to play music until we'll ice water bath to death in the, in this Atlantic ocean or whatever it is. And listen, Man City's fired up. And this game coming up midweek, especially Arsenal dropping points again against Brentford, this is going to be tougher than it was going to be for Arsenal. Could this be the part of the season where Arsenal starts losing the title race and become a laughing spark, spark, stock? Are they going to spurs this shit up because of what happened and Pep finding some fuel to fire his team up? Uh, what do you guys think of the game? Um, I mean, Villa were just, um, you know, put in a tough position. Like you say, it fired them up. Like Pep went on the warpath. He was, you know, it's the whole Premier League against us. They've already, you know, yeah. even if we're found not guilty, they've condemned us already. He went into full like rhetoric mode. <laughs> I, call um, it, I call it, a, I said, I bet Pep went full Braveheart always yeah. in those press conferences. <laughs> he William Wallace yeah. that crowd up. And, and, you know, he said before, like, oh, you know, if I've been lied to, I'll quit. That's what he said last time mm -hmm. City were accused of stuff. But he's like doubling down this time. He's like, no, I trust these guys. Um, it's everyone against us kind of thing. Um, yeah. And, and you don't know how much of that he believes um, or whether he's, he's just doing what he's doing to get the best out of the team in a spot when they needed some motivation. Like you say, it's come at a good time for them. They're on the heels of Arsenal. Arsenal had, you know, um, a result they didn't particularly want. And yeah, it's closed that gap and it makes it, it, it makes this game on Wednesday such high pressure now, um, especially for Arsenal. You know, City, when you're the team doing the chasing, there's always pressure on City just because of the players they've got, the money they've spent, the level of expectation there. But um, for Arsenal now, you know, there was going to be a lot of pressure on this game anyway, but there's even more now that they've slipped up a little bit as well. Um, you know, rightly or wrongly, we'll get to the refereeing decisions a bit later on. But um, yeah, I mean, City looked like City. They they were creating chances. They were clinical. Um, it angered me they didn't keep a clean sheet though, because I've got uh, I've got Edison in my fantasy team on a double game week. So um, that annoyed me that they slipped up and let uh, let Watkins in for that goal. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty routine City performance, wasn't it? Like a classic City performance where they just kind of do the job without really looking like they're breaking too much sweat. It was one of those sort of games. So um, yeah, just business business as usual for City. But like you say, I think it definitely got them in the right mood because they'd, they'd obviously been stumbling themselves a little bit of times recently. I know they'd put some wins together 
as of late. But prior to that, when they came back from the World Cup, they had a couple of bad results. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we all want a title race. I would quite like Arsenal to win the league just because I think, you know, there's a high chance that City have been guilty of some financial doping. Um, and also, you know, they're just, they're the dominant team. Arsenal haven't done it for a while. So I'm rooting for Arsenal on Wednesday, but, um, you know, at least at least we've got a title race now. It's not just one team doing it out there on their own and uh, and it being boring. It's it's going to be anything but boring. What do you, Neil, do you think, uh, uh-oh, this might be Martin. It's <laughs> a bit ballsy of this Martin. <laughs> See who it is, Neil. Do you think uh, this I, this the, the charges change things for? City I, I don't. I don't think the charges game changed. Up. I don't think charges changed much, as much as Pep Guardiola's reaction to those charges changed things. Like he's pretty right. much, yeah. He's he's gone completely the other way. Like instead of you know trying to say that hey you know I'm I'm just a football manager. Um, these are things beyond my pay grade. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not the legal head. I'm not even the corporate head. Uh, I've not been involved in any of this. So these are questions not really for me, even though, you know, I'm the guy who's answers to answer questions. He's pretty much lent in and owned this entire thing, which I would think is a pretty high risk a strategy very, to take. Very high risk. Yeah, because you know, if it is, if it does go down, the and you know, and eventual result is that Man City is um, is proven guilty of all of these things, and action is taken. Pep Guardiola has kind of chosen to sink with the boat, like uh, mm. like be and very proactively at that. So, but hey, maybe it's just uh, as we were talking a couple of uh, weeks ago that. He's he's been trying to get things to get this team going. For some reason, he feels he feels like the team isn't really totally up for it. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe the siege mentality is what uh, what he has worked. But like, I mean, again, it's so high risk for something that is so that I would have thought like a manager like Guardiola from a team like Man City can anyway get out of. Without having to completely hook yourself on for a corporate uh, fraud conspiracy, so. But hey, uh, I mean, coming to the game, he's also changed a few things, right? I mean, they tried the three three at the back uh, system. Bernardo Silva almost playing like a I I, I don't know, is it a left back or was a left left wing back? He pretty much played a box to box role. From the from the wings, which is I, I've seen it like at, at Chelsea, uh, Tuchel we had injury issues and he used Loftus Cheek in a similar sort of a role, and I I, I think it kind of worked. Um, I think anything to reduce the reliance on the final output on um, Erling Haaland, like so much of the game I think had been disrupted this season. Because the intention became to like instead of just flowing the chess pieces to and essentially walking the ball into the goal, which uh, Man City teams used to, so much of it had been to like give it to give it to Haaland. So, um, really happy to see the kind of innovation that Pep is showing that even at this uh, stage of his career, at this level, 
despite all the resources he has, he's like he's not afraid to uh, innovate in a high stakes um, Premier League battle. Uh, it's probably something that Arsenal should be worried about because you know, they dropped points again, and now the gap isn't that big. And uh, Man City still have to play Arsenal twice, uh, so that so that's six points right there. Um, so yeah, uh, in terms of how the game went, it was pretty standard Man City game, but the way it ke- the the what led to it, I think, was pretty unique and innovative from Guardiola. Yeah. I, I just want to say. It seems high risk, but I was thinking about it. Like, what year are the charges for? I think they're for like the Mancini, the Mancini era. Is 2009 the, the to 2018. amount of it, yeah. To 2018. So this is what Pep might be thinking. So he's like, I'm not responsible for the club paying Mancini under the table. Like, I wouldn't know that. So that, that's, that's not on me. And he, no, but that's but the what, thing. He's kind of owning it. No, no, You're no, right. no. He's it shouldn't it. be on him, but he's going around saying, hey, it's all me. I got this. No, I know. I know. So he's saying that, but he could get out of that, like, or just between, like, logic, like, mm-hmm. he could get out of that. But what he does know and should know is, like, that, this, that and we discussed it and I listened to other podcasts, that the sponsorship money that he gets from these Emirate companies is way above the value of sponsorship money. So that there's definitely like some type of like inflated value and that's fraud. But what he might be thinking is like right now, the club is kind of being run legit. Like they now they sell players, like they sell. So this year is a legit year. So he's like, let's win this year. They can't take this year from me. And we won it fair and square. But you, so, so I'll go out on that or I'll continue and stay here and win from now on and nobody can doubt this title this year and let me rally these troops together so it's high risk but nobody can say anything about this year because i think i guess their money's in order because they actually sold some players have made some money well maybe. i'd be very surprised if the fundamentals of this business model which you know uh, premier league is alleging is is fraud that that same model isn't in play in the Erling Haaland transfer, for example, because we, like all reports say that the Erling Haaland release clause was not the only money that was paid out. There was a lot more towards right. third party uh, folks, agents, uh, wages. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't think like once- you... Are those charges included? No, no, no. Of course not. I, I'm just saying like it, it kind they of makes sense. Like... They'll get it. They'll, they'll, they'll come at, at them. Yeah. Right. Uh, so Martin joined us. Uh, uh, you're you're kind of in the dark. You, you, you should add more light if, if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me let me add some more light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what you have against light. You you have blinds that are closed, bro. Uh, <laughs> it's coming yeah, towards listen. vampire style. It's not exactly his time of night yet. Yeah, so, man. Uh, that's how we roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, so <laughs> you're a big. Arsenal hater. No, now I'm not that, an Arsenal hater. I hate I hate Chelsea way more. <laughs> you have chases. You do? Damn. When did this happen? <laughs> I never disliked Arsenal. I always said it on the podcast. I don't dislike Arsenal. I have a bunch of friends, very close friends of mine, uh, that uh, that are big Arsenal fans. And I spent uh, a huge portion of my time in London in the early 2000s 
uh, hanging out with uh, uh, Canu and his uh, and his crew when he played for Arsenal. So I met uh, Colo Tour, Thierry Henry at a bunch of parties. So I was actually very uh, friendly with those people. And I have a, a soft spot for Arsenal. Uh, but obviously, uh, my uh, my uh, um, I would say uh, in- integrity goes with Tottenham and, and that's my team. So I have to support Tottenham. So I have to hate Arsenal a tiny little bit just because but of you don't, that. You don't want them to win the title. You can't want them to win the title. Well, he- here's the thing. You know, I don't... It's not like my number one goal to, for them not to win the title. If they were competing against us, for sure. Uh, but if they win the title uh, against City, I don't, I don't care really. You know, as long as we finish top four. If we don't finish top four, maybe that changes uh, things a little, a little bit, and maybe um, potential potential um, charges for City, which might result with them being removed from top four, might give us. Uh, uh, another uh, shot at it. I, uh, I, if you finish fifth, you know. So we'll see. So you're rooting against Chelsea as far as the charges are concerned. But you won't. You won't. No, no. no I'm talking time, about the city. I'm talking about the city. The city. I mean, I mean, my bad. My bad. You, you, you're rooting against City as far as the charges are concerned. But the only problem with that is this court case won't be tried probably more than two years from now. So by the time, you, if what if that happens? Like you would have finished top four, but. Mm-hmm. City would have City will finish top four anyway. It's such but, a, it's such a strange season, you know. There's so many moving pieces right now, like especially with Arsenal struggling in the last couple of weeks, and they're still at the top, and they still have a comfortable lead. I mean, in normal circumstances, that would be already uh, uh, probably uh, reason for a huge concern for Arsenal. You know what's going on with them, but right now they're still technically in a good position. We'll but see. We'll terribly in the last month. We'll, it's not terrible, but this is how panic starts. Like you start slipping a few points, and then a big game like this comes up. And if Arsenal are going to be champions, we got to see what the character of Arteta is, the car, the character of the players, and see if like this is real pressure now. You know what I mean? Like some of the players have experienced some of it. Like some of the players are in the England squad, and they've played in the Euros and taken penalties in the final and some of the players used to be you know at least one ex-City player and mm-hmm. you know so he's won a few titles, Gabriel Jesus is going to be on the bench, Arteta was with them but this is like it's, this is what being hunted feels like when you're running with your back to the person who's chasing you and you don't know how close they are or you can feel them but you can't see them and you're just trying to make this distance up and you're looking backwards and running forwards at the same time this is this let's see if how good arsenal are at this but it's going to be tough because city feels like they have this energy that they didn't have before uh we got to keep moving so like lee you want to like bring up the arsenal versus Brentford game and like these calls that yeah I mean <laughs> it, it was uh yeah a little bit astounding that um you know VAR looked at that and just didn't find the uh the offside in there it was a, it was a bit of a weird one there were a lot of moving parts and a lot of bodies but that's what VAR's there to to find out um and you know they, I think they've uh, the Premier League 
officiating sort of board have come out and said like that one was wrong as well like so there's no two ways about it the call the call was wrong and it's um you know it's potentially cost Arsenal the game I mean Arsenal need to look at themselves as well they weren't as clinical as they could have been in that game um you know Brentford are a tough team to break down but just looking at the stats they had a lot of the ball they had seven shots on target compared to Brentford's two 23 shots overall compared to Brentford's nine um yeah 70 percent possession so with those sort of numbers Arsenal should be putting more than one goal past Brentford if they want to be a title winning team um so you know the, the, the call has definitely you know turned three points into one for them but at the same time they can't blame it completely on that they need to take those you know elements out the equation sometimes and be like okay well we can ride a bad call if we're doing what we need to do you know if United if if, sorry if um, Arsenal score three then that goal is just a consolation the same way you know Villa got a consolation against Man City because Man City handled their business um, not that the Villa goal was illegitimate. They, you know, they they scored that goal uh, fair and square. But in this one, yeah, you need to try and limit the the exposure you get from bad decisions by being as effective as you can yourselves. And I thought, you know, that's where Arsenal fell down in this game. The call was wrong, but equally they needed to do more. So um, that's a worrying thing if you're if you're Arsenal because that's the sort of game you know where champions will will do what they need to do in those games to find a way to make the win rather than getting that bad call. But I mean, they've been so consistent for so much of the season. It could be a blip. Uh, we'll find out on Wednesday whether or not it's, uh, whether or not it's really got in their heads. Cause if they lose to, to city, then, then we see what they're really, really made of over the next few weeks after that, uh, whether they can bounce back because teams lose games that happens. They can lose and still win the title. Um, mm-hmm. But they need to, they need to make sure in these games, where they're playing, you know, tough opponents, but opponents that they should still be beating. Um, they need to be making sure they don't slip up in those games. Where is this game coming up on Wednesday? Is that City or is it at Arsenal? I believe it's at uh, at City. Let me double check. Oh no, it's at Arsenal. It's at the Emirates. So yeah, they they better not lose there. They lose there, it's going to be crushing. Or if there's a yeah. similar situation where, because I was going to ask Neil like. You had a call that you didn't get called this weekend. And nobody like, even apologized to us. <laughs> idiots didn't even apologize to us. So <laughs> uh, how, how, how did that make you feel like, and, and how do you think it affects Potter and just Chelsea? Like you have so much, things to organize you just moved into a new house you got boxes all over the place and you try to get them organized get the things out the boxes put the furniture together and then like they don't turn on the water you know <laughs> and, and you have to spend the night without water like like how does not getting this call like buggy does it buggy it might not buggy you. you might be like ah this is a part of moving into a house i mean i'm, I'm sure like you know any chelsea fan Graham Potter, uh, everybody associated with Chelsea. I loved three points, and I think we'd have gotten three points. We should have gotten three points because that penalty um, call should have been in our favor. 
and um, uh, you know, chances are we converted we win the game, right? But not, not said, really because you you don't have a Jorginho no more. So that, no is, that is true. After a long time, like Jorginho, William before that, Hazard before that, Lampard before that. I think this is the first time in the like almost two decades that we don't have uh, somebody the entire fan base. Like, All right, he's our penalty taker. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, you know, still like there, there are people like Howards and all who were penalty takers at their previous clubs, so you'd expect them to uh, do it. But I mean, I don't think we played well for three points. I think one point was was fair on the basis of it. We played exceptionally well in the first thirty minutes, but mm-hmm. again, the new players, that new formation was Joao Felix as a number ten. Loftus Cheek and Enzo Fernandez behind, you know, Ruben staying a little bit back, allowing Enzo to move, uh, get a little bit more involved in the forward phase. Unlike the previous game where Enzo was the deepest uh, midfielder. Uh, so I, I think that really worked. And uh, you could see the inter- interplay with Mudrick, uh, Madweke uh, on the other side, Felix, Havertz, Enzo. He was even lost the sheet getting involved at times, going in a chance very early in the game. It was looking really slick and like, you know, I was rubbing my hands like, oh my God, this is going to be like a, this is going to be like a 3-0, 4-0 after a while. And then we scored a goal, it's offside. And then we scored another goal, that's also offside. So, yeah, I... I I mean, the thing is, like, we play without a striker. I have come to the conclusion that we essentially play without a striker because Havertz it's disrespectful to Havertz. Yeah, he's a, he's not a, he's not a striker. I don't know what we are doing because Graham Potter in the Champions League, um, so we could not register a Fofana, and he also took Aubameyang out of the squad. So we actually, even if we try to, and Bruyne is injured, we can't play a striker. So we're kind of stuck with Havertz, and. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm trying to give Grandpa a lot of time, but he needs to stop doing doing some of these unforced errors. Like nothing makes me angrier at a uh, coach. Like Potter had some accentuating circumstances. Like he's coming in the middle of the season. He's had a lot of injuries to contend with. But there are certain things that are in your hands. You have for the league games. You have somebody like Fofana who's looked good when he's come on. You somehow chosen to outcast Aubameyang. Havertz as a striker is not working. You need to change that. Kukurela as a left back is not working. Lewis Hall came in and he was amazing for about three, four games. And now he can't even make the squad. Ben Chilwell is apparently not fit to start a game. So some of these things, like he's not helping himself. So uh, anyway, the point is we kind of flatlined after the first 30 minutes. And uh, so that wasn't good. And uh, yeah. Madueke missed his runner and then Kukurela didn't, you know, he is a pretty easy clear. It wasn't even a tough cross to clear from the defense. So, yeah, we got what we deserved, but, you know, we, it would have been fun to, like, get those three points off the penalty. Yeah, you guys, the game started out mad flair. I was like, this is the <laughs> Harlem Globetrotters of London. It balls. Absolutely, yeah. And then... uh and then I, as the game went on, I realized, oh, this team has no grit. This is all the <laughs> player players that yeah. Foley went out and bought from all over the world. And they can't defend for shit. 
and just if a team gets stuck in a little bit and prevents some presents themselves to be stubborn like that's all western west ham really has they could they could kind of take the game back and then they got their goal and, and you know and then they, the match you kind of guys it felt like chelsea realized like we ain't tough enough and and uh and uh west ham realized we're not flair enough to deal with this team so they it, it it just evened out and but from the beginning that you did put four balls in the back of the net right mm. and only got one goal out of it so Havertz, like i'm not mad at what pot is doing with Havertz because he needed to pick some guy and kind of stick with him for a little bit but whoever chelsea puts forward ends up not putting the ball in the back of the net like lukaku didn't do it Havertz didn't do it before him. Werner didn't do it. And who else did he try? And Aubameyang, Aubameyang, when he got there, wasn't doing it. So it's just, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And it's not just on But I, I would Havertz. still, I still use an actual striker. I don't mind trying Havertz, but you've tried him now for a while and it's not working. I'll give you a simple statistic. The, if you go, if you go and check the maximum number of offsides, in the Premier League. Havertz, I think, is at 25, 26, and he's number one. The second guy is like, I think, seven or eight at least behind him. So this the second is guy, guy is probably Richarlison, right? No, I think it's Ivan Tony. But, um, <laughs> Richarlison would be offside when he's on the bench. I think right. Richarlison would be the most offside per minute played, but he doesn't play a lot. Yeah. So. Right. Um, but the fact is like, you know, these are certain things that tell you that he is so uncomfortable in that role that he's always mistiming his runs. When you're playing as a second striker, which is what he used to do a lot, you, you, you're not always on that last line, right? So you have a little bit of breathing space. You have a little bit of margin of error. And um, yeah, I don't know, Lee, probably you can uh, give some insight. Like from a coaching point of view, is this something that you can coach out of a guy? Uh, because I'm sure somebody had, has noticed this pattern and it's been three seasons here and he's still making those same mistakes. I mean, you'd hope top-level top level coaches can can pick up those flaws in people's games and um, and correct them. Uh, sometimes players are really set in their ways, um, yeah. but that's, you know, what you need from top-level players is to be coachable mm. and, and to, you know, so it's, it's hard to know whether or not they're working on that on the training ground and the players just not taking it in or whether the coaches are being blind to it. But I mean, everything, everything gets analyzed in such minute detail right. at that level nowadays. Like there's, there's, you know, there's teams of video analysts picking up on every little thing. Um, there's people analyzing it live in game. There's people doing post-match analysis afterwards. Um, and it all gets fed into coaching staffs who then, you know, work with it on the training ground. There's individual coaches working with different units of the teams as well like so so things that are flaws in people's games do get picked up especially at a club like Chelsea with the resources they've got um you know a little bit lower down it might not but I mean yeah so it's either the coaches aren't coaching it right or the players not taking it on board and both of those things and sometimes are bad just to add to what you said sometimes there you know there is a supreme talent uh, that simply has uh, other flaws I would say Richarlison hmm. It's more his personality. I think he he has a top uh, top level talent, and he, he sometimes shows it. Sometimes there are some games that you're like, uh, he he looks like Ronaldinho, 
And in some other games, he looks completely irresponsible. And, and some players are just like that. They're just not, they don't have like a stable, they don't give you the stable outcome. I would say the top, top players uh, are top, top because they give it to you every week. And some players like Richarlison that are able to reach that level, the highest possible level on a day, but they're not going to give you that every week because they have those other flaws. They're either uh, lack concentration, and I think that's the case with Richarlison, or they're too eccentric, uh, uh, or they just uh, sometimes just uh, don't show up. And I mm -hmm. think that's that also why Conte stopped playing him, because he is not the type of the coach that likes those type of players that are a kind of mercurial talents, you know, that they can, on a day, on a given day, they can be the best player of the field, but then they also can do nothing for the whole game. Richarlison so far zero goes to assist the whole season in the Premier League. So here you go. Well, he's going to be playing more because Benton courts out. But let that's not the position. That's not the positions. He he will only play if Son or uh, Kulusevski can play. All right. Well, I, I'm going to get to you next, Mark, because I want to ask something. But before I ask a question, like you even kind of said it. It's like, hey, man, if you don't have focus on a game-to-game -game basis, you're not a top player. And I, I, I don't think... Yeah, and the fact that he has no focus game to game means that also to be a top player, you have to like work on your game outside of practice. And he doesn't seem like that type to do that. Like he has this level of skill that's innate that he does not focus on honing off the pitch, which means he can't just do it through osmosis when he's on the pitch on a game to game basis. So that's why. And then as far as habits is concerned, like, uh, like Neil was, Neil was saying, I don't think he is comfortable in that position. And, and maybe the hope is that he would get comfortable in that position, but he shouldn't be that offside all the time. Even though this one was the goal that he scored was slight, it's like you, there's other offsides compounded with this offsides. I, I have a theory, actually. I have a theory I don't know, that in training, even if they're doing like offside drills, it's probably being done by the naked eye. And not with the absolute granularity of what VAR does. These guys get away and they're not actually getting the accurate feedback, which even though like my stance always on offsides have been that you should have a margin of error and you should give benefit of the doubt to the attacking attacker. But you know, that's not it's not uh it's not relevant anymore because you know that's not the way the game is being educated adjudicated. So um yeah, I have a theory that you know probably they're doing some drills, but they they are doing drills for games that used to happen in the pre-offside era, pre-VR era. All right. So since Martin's here, uh, we weren't really going to talk about Spurs. But mm -hmm. so what <laughs> the hell happened to Spurs this weekend? How come? It's not a surprise you, at all. No, how come, how come, well, let me let me finish asking. How come? With a no manager last week, you get a no manager bounce. And then with a manager this week, you play. They, what, you, you, are you sure, what, are you sure we need a manager? Because somebody put uh, Fraser Forster in goal and Tamganga as a center back. Uh, well, anyway, uh, well, listen, was he a center back or was he a left back hmm. or right back? He, he was technically like a sense half center back, but uh, but I'll tell you that it's an eight losses this season. It's a very up, we're a very up and down team. Uh, won against City a week ago. Now we lost to Leicester City, uh, probably the worst Leicester City team in 10 years. 
Uh, and that's pretty much the whole season. Uh, we can finish fifth or we can finish fourth. If we finish fourth, everybody will forget about what the season was. If we finish fifth uh, and somehow not, not make it to the Champions League, people will point it out as a failure. And uh, rightfully so. So it's we still can finish fourth because of the other teams. Uh, because Newcastle's, uh, Newcastle are, are s- slipping and losing points. Uh, it's Listen, it's either Newcastle or us now for the fourth, pretty much. That's what it is. So let's see how the rest of the season goes. But um, it's it it's a very weird team that can perform uh, on a. Uh, it's like almost like Richarlison. The team became Richarlison. The whole team yes. became. Richarlison. Yeah. They, one day they can be fantastic, and the other day they'll be terrible. That was the terrible. That was the terrible. Uh, <laughs> the terrible face of the Spurs. Yeah, that's hilarious. You guys have picked up his vibe, and that's yep. how you rock. Uh, I mean, I, 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 was, I was loving it. I was in Leicester on Saturday um, for the Leicester Comedy Festival. <laughs> that's what, that's um, the, the, the Leicester fans were all out partying, having beers afterwards in the te- in the town centre. I felt like joining them. Um, you know, I need something to they, they, they were very close <laughs> to you guys a few weeks ago. They were still in the <laughs> battle, but now they won, I think, two or three in a row. That it seems like they're safe. Yeah, they pulled themselves out. I mean, they, they've got the difference with them is they've got game changers. They've got players who can win games. You know, Madison can win games. Harvey Barnes can win games. Iniacho is inconsistent, but when he shows up, I mean, he made that goal look so easy, the one he mm-hmm. scored. He just looked up on the edge of the box and went, yeah, I'm going to put it there. Um, and, you know, you blame Fraser Forster. Larice hasn't been on form either. I don't know what he would have done in this game. Um, for you guys, there's there's some some worrying worrying things going on at the back there. And Benton Kerr, I think, out for six months now um, with the injury he got in that game. So you know that's a bit of a hole in the midfield. Tough injury. Um, Sorry, Benton Kerr. Yeah, Hoiberg can't do it all. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking not looking good. And he scored the goal. I, the I, up one one nothing. Benton Kerr actually scored the goal, and he almost got two goals in the first ten minutes. So. Mm. Because he's a key player for sure. We don't have anybody to play that position. Unless uh, the guy that we, we bought, maybe he will be somehow tried tried there, you know, the, the, the guy that we bought a couple of weeks ago. We'll see. Poro, Poro. Poro, another another guy we bought, we didn't really have a very, very good game either. But that's the first game, so that's a kind of understandable. That's partially why Chelsea cannot win a game because they, they have 11 different players each week. You know, it's, it's, it's just hard to build any consistency uh, when you have uh, new players coming in. You know? And our new players they didn't play well. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's the case with uh, most of the teams. You know, it's, it's hard when you change a lot, change your lineup a lot. What do you mean? I mean, if you, if you play different lineup every week, it's it's hard to... Uh, but every team has to kind of rotate at some point during the season. This is no excuse. Yeah, yeah but when you bring new one. players, you know, if you rotate players who already played with together, that's different. But if you bring new players and, and, and try to implement them to the team uh, on a weekly basis, that's 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 not easy, you know? And I think it's, it's not me trying to be, you know, funny here, but I think you agree with me, Neil, that the fact that you brought so many players doesn't help to really build cohesiveness and might impact the results because it's if you have a different team every week it's 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 but, not helpful. But how many Insane. Did, but that Chelsea's level of new players is a completely different level of new players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we also we also Spurs. we also brought a couple of new players and we shouldn't play them at the same time all of them, you know. I mean Le- Leicester had two new players in their back four though. Sutar and Christensen they both signed 
yeah. like last week, and they had they had two new so guys good. in their back line. And we had chances. They, fine. We had, they made mistakes. We had a lot of chances in this game. We had a lot so of chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's down to the new players. I don't think Spurs are that much new players for them to be this disrupted. But every team has one of these games. Like Leicester is normally, Leicester would do this to a team. They, they've Southampton. Like drop nine on Southampton one time. Now they dropped four one on, on you Thanks guys. For that. So shit happened. <laughs> hey man, you're welcome, man. I remember things. Uh, uh, so we should talk about Merseyside Derby, but I guess I mean we could talk about United, but we'll, United will be brief. What the hell? So this game, I watched this game in fragments because I was traveling. So mm-hmm. I, I I got to see. Southampton versus Wolves. And I leave when Southampton is up a goal and up a man. And I'm like, Lee's going to be happy. They're going to win this. They'll probably score more goals. I go to Seattle. I don't watch, get to watch the rest of the game. I come home Sunday and I watch the game. And I see the Wolves 2 Southampton won. That is, it's almost as bizarre as the Spurs Leicester scored away this game win. Yeah, and it, it, and it, I, it was bad. And I would, <laughs> and I wouldn't say the players didn't play for your coach. I wouldn't even say that. Even though Wolves did come on really strong towards the end of the first half and the second half, and they made great changes. But what happened, bro? That that had to be crazy to be up a goal and a man fighting a team that's near you at the table and you want to get points on them. And Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of knew it though. Like I said in the chat, I said, we're 1-0 up, they're down to 10 men, we will find a way to lose this. Those were my words in the chat when, we, when the red card happened. And what happened? We found a way to lose it. Um, it's bad as well because there wasn't any, like the fans obviously weren't happy with Jones. There was a lot of, um, you know, angry people. We had a, a fans forum with the board on Tuesday last week and people were expressing their displeasure there. Obviously, after the Brentford game where we didn't put up a fight, he had the bizarre press conference, people weren't happy then. But the fans got behind the team in this game. Like The fans were getting behind the team at the start. The team responded. The team were playing well at the start of the game. Um, you know, Sulemana, I think, looks like a real good player for us. Um, he's got pace, he's got skill. Chances. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the kid looks talented. Like I say, pace, skill. He wants to get at people. Um, Alcaraz in the midfield, and he took his goal really well, and that ball came back to him. Um, just laced it in off the post, and he looks a good player. And, and you know, we had some fight, but it, it just faded. And but then comes Bednarek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's not, I mean, we can point to Bednarek, and, and the own goal was embarrassing. He just couldn't sort his feet out, and that was bad the way it's happened. But I have, I have. I have to ask questions as to why he was even back at the club because we have a lot of centre-backs and Nathan Jones brought him back for his experience. But I mean, it's what experience of failure. Um, so why bring him back? He did a press conference after he went, or not a press conference, he put um, a statement in the press after he got loaned to Villa saying that he joined a big club. Um, and, you know, with an attitude no, like that, it. he should never, he should never come back. And Jones has been weird. Like he fell out with the two Croatian guys, um, Kaleta Char and uh, and Orsic, and neither of them were in the squad. Um, he dropped them for Brentford as well. They played for the B team uh, the day before Brentford, so they were never going to be involved in that game. 
Um, and that's your experience. Of, I think that you are full of hopes that Orsic will be the guy who can help you to stay up. I mean, the guy's a finisher, but he's just, I mean, I blame, I blame the management and the coaching for not getting him up to speed and using him right. And it's just bizarre that he would leave players like that out who can, who can change games and bring in Bednarek who just, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a walking mistake. He was part of both of the nine nil losses. Um, it's a player we didn't want at the club anymore. We he have a lot of centre-backs. That's the, that's the club record of all time. He's got four own goals in the Premier League for you guys. Yeah. Exactly. I'd say all these reasons why he shouldn't have come back. We had Toletta Shah, we had Lianko, um, we had um, Salisu, we had Bela Kocak. We didn't need him to come back. I know Bela Kocak got injured, but um, it's just, it's a strange decision to make to to bring him back. We, play, we played Maitland-Niles at centre-back in this game as well. well I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why possibly they, they brought him back because I've watched some of the uh, like behind-scenes um, uh, documentary about Polish national team during the World Cup and he was benched because he didn't play for Villa so he didn't start. Kivior, the guy that 20-year-old who went to Arsenal, he was the starting centre-back alongside Kamil Glick. But in all the footage from the World Cup, it showed that Bednarek was really inspiring in the locker room. He was really like uh, uh, one of the main voices in the locker room. He was like the uh, the cheering guy. He was the motivational guy. So he's a good teammate. Like uh, outside of the field, he, he's a really good teammate. So I think... Yeah, but, but what is he doing on the pitch then? He's having a hard time. He's having a hard time, but, but I think... That's probably why they brought him back. He's popular in the locker room. That's probably why they brought him back. I mean, it's not worked. And I don't think he was popular after he slagged the club off, after he left on a loan as well. Like He burnt that bridge. He should have never come back. The fans don't want him back. Um, it's just a strange one. But I mean, that aside, like, yeah, we we had against against 10 men, we let them have 60% possession of the ball, which is it, insane. It was, it was against 50, 10 men. No, it was... 50 no, it was it was 60. It was just over 60. We had like 39.7 or something. Um, it, it, was, it was insane that we would allow a team with 10 men to control the game. Um, yeah, it's so 60. Like, it's genuinely insane. Because like, the thing is, I, I'm, like, there's, there's multiple ways to, to set a team up. There's multiple ways to win a game. And low possession is an effective tactic if you're solid at the back and you're effective when you do have the ball. And we were do, none of those things. <laughs> do, do, do you think they were like, let's keep the lead? Because it, it's, it's weird, this game. Like, you went forward, you created some great chances. It looked, mm. and, and you didn't put them in. And then it, is there, like, a thing where let's get defensive, bunker down, keep this one. And then, of course, they, if we're going to do that, like, set up a wagon, circle the wagons, then... Uh, they're going to have it wasn't even, ball. It wasn't even late in the game. And I don't right. think we're good enough to do that at 1-0. We're not good enough to sit back and defend at 1-0. So we may as well try and score another one. Um, but you it just shows how... if you do and damned if you don't in that case. Yeah. It just, but I mean, obviously it didn't work out that way. And we've shown this season we can't really play like that. And uh, I just think Jones was out of his depth. There's not a single player in that team that he improved. Um, we played different formations, players played in multiple positions. He never knew what the best team was. He never knew what formation he wanted to play. We were 3-5-2, we were 4-4-3, uh, sorry, 4-3-3. Um, it was all over the place. And the press conferences were bizarre. He was always picking fights with the fans. 
the players seem to he seemed to lose the players as well, picking them out in, in press conferences. He was just a guy who was clearly not cut out for that level. And I wanted it to work out. You know, no one wants a manager to fail the minute they come in. You know, I said at the time, I was like, oh, we're willing to give him a chance. He's he's done you good do work at a lower level. Yeah, like you've got to when someone takes over at your club because ultimately the club is the the main priority. So you want whoever's in charge of it to do well. Um, but the real like alarming thing for me was when we came back from five weeks break after the World Cup and we played Brighton, then we played Forest. And in both those games, we didn't look like the players looked like they didn't know each other. And there wasn't a style of football that I could tell you we were trying to play. Um, so that was really alarming for me because a top coach will get to work and we'll get a style of play down and we'll figure out, you know, who, and, and the board should have known that as well. Like you were saying at the top of the show where, you know, the board have to carry the can for this as well. Absolutely. Cause it's negligence that they hired him. Um, they haven't done the due diligence on their part. They should have said, like, I can't believe an interview didn't involve. What do you think of our squad? How would you get them to play? Who, but, but you said you said he's a placator, so he placated to the team. And when he got interviewed, he placated to the board. And like, oh, we like this guy. He said, "Well, we want it here." Then he goes to the team. Can I can I just tell you something too about Nathan Jones? I just watched Vibe at Five, and he had Ashley Williams on, who was a Stoke player, and yeah. and uh, he he coached him, and he said some shit, and he wasn't being mean or anything, but he said, yeah. "I'm not surprised that Nathan got fired." He said when he came he was to a big failure at Stoke. Right. And he said when he came to us at Stoke, his he was like, it was a step up for him. And they were all good players. Some had played in Champions League, some had been uh in the Premier League. But Nathan was like, I'm not gonna tell you guys what to do. It's not for me to tell you what to do. And they and after the meeting, they were like, What? Like, who says that? Like, you're our coach. <laughs> we're down to do whatever you want us to do. So what do you yeah. think? And he said, at, at, at uh, Luton, I taught this, the diamond, but, uh, uh, you know, and then he never taught them the diamond. And then he would change the formation every week and he was so unsure of himself and he screwed up there. And he said, they, they were down to like roll with him, but he never like mm. asserted himself as a manager. And then he, and it seems like, and it seems like he just did the same thing. His, yeah, history repeats itself. Yeah, And, you know, he, he's done a great job in two spells at Luton, but it might just be that Luton is his club. Because, Luton is his level. Yeah, Luton, they, they've got a horrible little stadium. They've got bad facilities. Um, they, they've got a real back-to-the-wall mentality, like they're a small club and they'll punch above their weight. Um, you know, we're, we're a small club in Premier League terms, but we've still got world-class facilities and we've got a multinational squad, whereas at Luton, it was a very British squad. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different environment. And there was... The board said that he had they had hit a bunch of key metrics that they wanted in a manager, um, but I don't know what those metrics were because yeah, the 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 environment was totally different. The one time he'd gone away from Luton, he he failed badly at Stoke, um, and it's a bit crazy that they're having to now hire a third manager of the season. That's embarrassing as a football club when you're having to hire your third permanent manager of the season um, because that just points to mismanagement, and that started from from the summer because Hassan Hüttel should have gone mm-hmm. Hassan Hüttel should have gone in the summer because he'd lost the players and he himself his heart wasn't in it anymore so he needed to go in the, in the summer when it was it made more sense to do that and then someone can come in and set a pre-season and, and put their stamp on the team it's hard coming in mid-season especially when you're out of, of your depth 
Who's he one out of these choices? Out of, out of the players who are about the coaches who are available? Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not in a position to pick from the best of the best because of uh, <laughs> because of the predicament we're in. You know, whoever's taken over is pretty much accepting that they're probably okay, going to be in the championship do you, who do you next want season. Pochettino. I mean, I mean, Pochettino, Pochettino would be the dream, but I think if he's got any, if he's got any self, if he's got any self respect, if he's got any self respect, he won't come near it. I mean, looking at the odds, um, Jesse Marsh is a favourite right now. Um, I wouldn't be against Jesse Marsh. For me, the dream, like one out of the people that are on the list, would be um, Marcelo Gallardo, um, who <coughs> he's won the Libertadores with River Plate. Um, he's won leagues with them. Um, I feel like he could be a Pochettino-style appointment for us, and he's got a very specific way of playing football. And he's a very intelligent coach. You know, Pep has bigged him up and said he's one of the smartest managers in the game right now. Um, so he he would be someone I, I would love for because you know we can roll the dice now. He's got more experience of this sort of type of squad than than Jones ever did. Um, I realistically, I don't think Gallardo would come to us. I think if he's going to join a Premier League club, it would be Leeds because he's got more chance of being a Premier League manager next season um, if he does that. Uh, Ruben Sellers, the um, the Spanish first-team coach we hired in the summer, um, he's taking the team this week in training and if no one gets hired, he'll take the team against Chelsea. He's second favourite in the list to be permanent manager. The players apparently love him. He's got really good ideas on the training ground. He's just got no experience as a manager, so that would worry me. Um, giving him the job. Gerard's on there. No, thank you. Allardyce, no, thank you. Gerard's um, football. What, what, about, what about the Ajax coach? Who just um, I mean, he, he's turned leads down. He's not even in, he's not even being linked with us though. Um, so I, I don't I really know. I, his, I thought I just saw his name on a list. No, not he's, not, well, he's, he, he, he's not in the, the bookies list. One manager who has been mentioned today though is the Torino manager, even Juric. Um, who's a, a Croatian manager? So he might get a, be- a better out of the Croatian players than uh, Jones did. But he um, he he's got Torino seventh in Serie A, and apparently we wanted to hire him before we hired Jones. He was the first choice, but the board deemed him too expensive at the time, which tells you Jones was the cheap option. Um, but oh, now sure. they're willing to go and pay and get this guy because obviously there's a lot more money at stake with relegation potentially looming. I don't know why they didn't just pay it if this guy was the first choice first time around. So Juric, I, I would I would happily take because he's got a good record in Italy with Verona and now Torino. So um, yeah, Pochettino would be the dream. Marsh is probably the more realistic one. Juric would be, Juric or Gallardo would probably be the more exciting options. But I mean, we are where we are. I don't think anyone can really do worse than James did. And Neil, I, 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 think, you're, I think you're being a little harsh and Nathan Jones, one of the best managers in Europe, <laughs> by his in his, in, his, in own, his own words, yeah, in his own words, yeah, one of the best managers in Europe because uh, of the XG that his Luton team had in the championship, um, which is it's, it's that's an insane thing to say after your team's just been beaten three 0 without putting up a fight. Um, that cold press conference was bizarre, but I mean, we we spoke at the start of the show as well about the shortest managerial reigns in the Premier League. Do you want me to give you oh, a yeah. rundown? Yeah, absolutely. Nathan, Nathan Jones is number six, uh, but almost purely by virtue of the fact that he had five weeks where he didn't manage the team um, or oh, didn't right. coach the team because of the World mm-hmm. Cup. And I say he didn't coach the team because I'm not sure he did actually coach the team so at all during that time. Um, so the shortest ever is Les Reed at Charlton, which was 40 days. Um, he played. He played seven matches and got four points. Um, 
Rene Mullenstein was the second shortest, 13 matches over 75 days, got 10 points. Uh, Frank De Boer was 77 days, but a lot of that was preseason. He played four matches and got zero points. So he got mm. the lowest points of any permanent Premier League manager, Frank De Boer. Um, Bob Bradley is number four, 11 matches, eight points, 84 days. Kike Sanchez Flores in his second spell at Watford, 10 matches, seven points, 85 days. Nathan Jones is sixth shortest, eight matches, three points, three points, which is scandalous because um, he's played double the games of De Boer um, and in 94 days, which, like I say, a lot of those days were with the World Cup. So, so in terms of um, like just number of Premier League games or like league games, he's probably in the top three, he's, right? He's third, yeah. He's, yeah. he's third in terms of Premier League games um, and That's he's second case. worst. Second, second worst in terms of points, but points per game he might. Well, I mean, De Boer's the worst because he got zero. But um, <laughs> I mean, the, a crazy stat was even though he had eight games with us, um, and obviously I think you know I don't know exactly, but at least half of them would be at home. Eleven managers in the Premier because he didn't get a single point at home. That one win was away to Everton. There were eleven managers in the Premier League this season who've got more points at our stadium than he has. Damn. <laughs> and that's yeah. just every team that's beaten us at home <laughs> it's well so let me yes. ask, so let me ask you because you know in the chat for the last couple of weeks you were you're like we're done we're done we're finished we're gonna get relegated but yeah how, we need a miracle now what's the, what's the percentage in your head that still believes that you won't and what has to happen what has to happen for Southampton stay up I would say the chances are I, I would put us somewhere between five and ten percent um, because we're not, we're, we're, we're three points off some teams above us. If we had, because with Everton losing as well to Liverpool today, that helped. If we had beaten Wolves, we'd have been in such a good position. So the fact that it's only one game difference, we're still in with a chance, but I worry about the quality of the squad and the mentality of the squad after this. Um, I'm hoping whoever we get in brings a new manager bounce. Um, what needs to be, what needs to be done is really simple. We need to win some games. We need a manager who knows how he wants to play has a clear system and can get that across to the players quickly. Um, and then we just need to win games. Um, it's, I, I think, like I say, I, I reckon somewhere between five and 10% uh, so, chance of us staying up, which is optimistic at best. So the, the next two games, which will be crucial, is at Chelsea and at Leeds. How many points do you yeah. need? We need four points or at least three. Three minimum. We need to win one of those games just to so try and get, the get some confidence. Us. Yeah, you get the one point. We, versus us. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you'll get the point. Standard fair against soft ass <laughs> Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chelsea. who knows? With, who knows with Chelsea? They could, they could, they could add to our nine nil list, or equally, we could come away with a shock two one win or something. I don't know with Chelsea <laughs> these days what the fuck will happen. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we we need to win one of those games because we need a win soon. Because if we don't win either of those games, I guarantee you the teams around us will pick up one or two points at least. And that gap becomes even bigger and it's just such a hard job. Because, um, I mean, Nathan Jones's record, I mean, Forrest at home, we could have got something. Um, Fulham away, we actually played here's, well but didn't get here's, anything. Here's, here's the thing about Forrest. Up until this weekend, Forrest had the most points since the year started in the Premier mm. League. So that's the weird thing about Forrest that people don't notice. That Forrest they, were ter- they were terrible when we played them, though. One of the worst teams I've ever seen. Um, like they were genuinely terrible the against us. 
well, we gave them a goal. We passed the ball to them to allow them to run through clean <laughs> two v two two players against the keeper to just square it and score. Does, does Nathan that, that Jones get blamed for that? He does because I mean he was in charge of it. Um, and the fact that he you know he played a negative system in that game. He played long ball which didn't suit us. He made bad changes, the bad setup. He wasn't responsible for the goal on an individual level. That's the players, but the overall setup. I mean, we played Forest at home and we didn't have a single shot on target. So. Um, He's to blame for that because that's an overall stat. The players can't fully be blamed for that. It's on them as well. But I mean, when you play Forest, who at the time were down there with us and that game should have finished nil-nil at the very least because they didn't deserve to win that game either. Um, we just you know, gave them a goal. But oh, it's... Uh, I just looked up Forest, uh, four points behind us. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, See? fair play to them. Though. I mean, th- I mean, they were terrible against us, but got the win. But that win was a catalyst for them, and they've used that well. And they've, to be fair to them, they've played really well. They've brought in experience as well. Navas is is, is a good guy to bring in. Uh, Shelby as well. Um, Scarpa looks a good player for them Shelby's, as well that yeah. they brought in. So yeah, I mean, even even Aurier's proven to be a, a half decent signing for them as well. Yeah, um, who they got in the summer. In the game. <laughs> so I want to. To just talk about the Merseyside Darvian and talk about mm-hmm. uh, Champions League, and then we could bounce. But, Martin, did you see the Merseyside Derby? No, I did not. That's the one game I haven't seen. Yeah. Who, who, who saw it? Because does well, the result is Liverpool two, Everton zero. Does this, like, you know, it? Some of the commentators after the game. We're saying that this is the game that's going to change the trajectory of Liverpool's season. But in my head, I'm like, this is Liverpool. They're going <laughs> to win a game or two. But yeah. it's, they're just like Spurs right now, but just worse. You know, and they're just like Chelsea right now. Like, them winning a game doesn't change anything. Like, they're, they're their rhythm for the season is win something, mm-hmm. lose something, draw something, win something, lose something, lose something, draw something. Do you know who their next game is, though? Newcastle. No. Yeah. So Newcastle. That, that, that will prove whether they're back or not. If they go and win that game, I'll be like, okay, maybe they are. And what do you think maybe. the odds of beat Newcastle is? At Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle haven't been that great recently. They tailed off a, a tiny bit, so we'll see. Um, you know, I, th- I could see that game being a draw and then who knows where that leaves those two teams as to whether they're back or not. I'm sure Martin will be rooting for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I-, I watched that game today and Liverpool, they look better. Um, the goal was a bit strange though because the first goal, they hit the woodwork from a header from a corner. I think it was Tarkovsky headed off the post. Mm-hmm. So if that ball goes in, then it's 1-0 Everton and Sean Dyche might do what we weren't good enough to do and sit on a 1-0 lead and defend for their lives and park the bus and get that 1-0 win but you know the ball came back off the post Liverpool wanted that counter so badly as well Everton had players there to defend the counter but those Liverpool Mm. players flooded forward like they sprinted like their lives depended on it and they fully earned that goal I mean Pickford was kind of weird with his positioning Uh, Um, I I blame I blame him for that goal like mm. he was playing the pass and if you're a goalkeeper you can't play the pass because even Darwin Nunes could have just taken a shot based on yeah, yeah. how out of position he was, <laughs> like, waiting for this pass to come in that he knew was going to be at this area. As yeah. if Darwin Nunes has no choice. It's like, what are you doing, Pickford? So I blame him a lot for that goal. He just... He tried to be too smart. Salah. 
yeah, yeah try to be too to be smart it's, it's like no you got to get set and wait for the shot because that's what's coming um and yeah. that was such an easy goal for Salah to put away in the end um but yeah i mean the other goal was a counter-attack as well Gakpo gets his first goal which yeah. should do his confidence some good you know he scored in the derby it was probably the easiest goal we would ever score um, but he did well in the build-up to check his run and mm-hmm. stay onside because, uh, you know, we talked about offsides earlier and this like some habits. Chelsea players. Exactly. Um, he looked across, he checked his run and made sure that when that ball arrived at the back post, he was easily onside. So credit to him uh, for doing that. And then, yeah, after that, Everton didn't really have much. They tried to start a little fight at one point. Um, it's quite funny seeing Robertson laughing at Pickford because Pickford is a bit of a dickhead. Um so, yeah, I mean, Liverpool fans would be happy with that, that all the players piled in and wanted that fight as well. It shows that they've, they've got some fire in the bellies, which, uh, which is what you want. And, you know, I was happy to see Everton lose as well, because if we're going to have any chance of staying up, we need the teams around us to stop picking up points, which they've been doing recently. Obviously, Everton got the win against Arsenal. Leeds picked up a point against you guys. You know, Wolves have been picking up points and then we gave them a win as well. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, too early to say if Liverpool are back, but we'll see against Newcastle. Let's uh, go to Champions League because we got some games. Oh god! <laughs> 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 what, national wrong? embarrassment now. Like it's, it's moving on to. But the aren't you good in? Aren't you good in Champions League? Isn't that where you thrive? No. Well, we were good, but it's been a while since then, right? So we don't know. <laughs> And uh, who are you playing? We're playing you play Dortmund on. away. Yeah. And apparently they've like increased the... Uh, well, I don't know if they've increased the capacity of this uh, their um, stadium or they've done something which uh, I think some stands have been reopened. It's going to be like 80,000, 81,000, which is probably the first time in a very, very long time that they've got... They're going to get 81,000, which... So, yeah, we're going to be up against it. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't like our chances because the bottom line is we've become pretty solid defensively which might help in a knockout game but mm-hmm. even then like we just can't score we've scored okay. here's a stat for you like in the last 13 premier league games we've scored more than one goal once so we like that's a long time for us to not have a lot of goals in any game. So and I'm just talking about like two goals. We haven't so we scored two goals once and nothing beyond two score two goals. And th- that's like 13 games. That's almost half a league season. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I don't know where we're gonna get our goals from. Cause as I said, like we don't have Fofana in our um Champions League squad. We don't have Aubameyang, Broja is injured, we're still gonna be Havertz up front, or maybe like my personally, I would actually just put Joe Felix up front and uh, change things around that you can you either play 4 3 3 because you don't even have Madueke registered, so you'll have to have Ziyech on the right wing, can't mm. use him as a number 10. So, yeah, use our box to box midfielders, uh, instead. I was, um, I was reading an article earlier today about Dortmund. Um, cause I was reading like a Bundesliga roundup article and they're unbeaten since the Christmas or since the world cup, they come back from the world cup break. They're unbeaten in eight. They found, they found some form. Uh, Mokoko might be injured though. He picked up a knock against, uh, Bremen at the weekend. Um, but they're, they're looking like a good team. Julian Brandt's in form. So they're a tough team to go and face right now. They're full of confidence and 
yeah, Terzic, their manager, has, has, has found some form there. And I mean, I was saying Liverpool, you know, we'll see if they're back because they've got Newcastle next. That's in the Premier League. They've got Real Madrid this week. So um, Real Madrid, then Newcastle, that's, uh, that's a test. Yeah, they, they do. All I'm seeing here is like Tuesday is Paris versus Byron and Milan versus Tottenham because I was going to ask Martin about what do you think your chance of beating Milan? I think Milan is falling off or something. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, yeah. So you think you could beat them? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they they're underperforming. I think at fifth, fifth or sixth in Syria, where Napoli mm. Napoli is clearly, clearly winning the league. Uh, uh, Inter lost another two points today, so it's I think it's sixteen or seventeen point advantage uh, at this point. Napoli yeah. clearly for the first time since Diego Maradona played for the team, so. Mm. Uh, yeah. And they play Eintracht Frankfurt in the in the Champions League, so I think they're going to go through. Yeah, that's next week. I just realised that Liverpool Real Madrid's next week as well. I forgot they oh, split okay. the games. Um, yeah. But yeah, Milan, Milan have tailed off. They're not quite as good as they were um, last season. I mean, they've still got some good players like Rafael Leao and people, but I think that'd be a pretty even game between that's Milan and Spurs. That would, the, that would be the game of the of the round. Well, I mean, you think so? But no, I didn't. Like Paris versus Bayern. That's what I'm saying, PSG versus Bayern, yeah. I mean, but also, another game, I was about to say quickly, another game in this round is Club Bruges-Benfica, and I didn't realise until I started looking at the manager's link with Southampton that Scott Parker's Club Bruges manager now. He's gone from losing by nine goals at Anfield to managing in the Champions League knockout rounds. He got appointed Club Bruges manager at the end of December. I did, that one went under my radar. Oh, shit. I didn't even see that. So we've got an English oh. manager managing in the Champions League knockout stages at Club Bruges after he got sacked for being the worst manager in the Premier League at that particular moment of the season. Scott Parker? Um, yeah. He didn't get fired. For, he, he got fired for like asking for more in public and pissing off the boys. Isn't that why he got fired from, from Bournemouth? Well, yeah, well, right? they, they, they shipped nine goals against Liverpool and then he went, well, what do you expect? That's what happens. And yeah, oh, no okay. one took too kindly. No well, one took what, too kindly what, to that. Why did Club Bruges fire their manager though? Because uh, they're they were fourth in the Belgian league. Oh, but they, they made they, it to they, the Champions League knockouts for the first time, right? Yeah, they they just weren't performing in the league, and that was where the the board drew the line um, because they should be in a title race. They've got one of the biggest budgets in that league. Um, but yeah, Scott yeah. Parker is a real left field appointment for them because I was looking at managers who are linked, and Scott Parker was on the initial running, and then his name got taken off it. So I think the bookie, I think I think even the bookmakers didn't realize he'd gone there. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I looked at it. I was like, oh shit, he's at Club Bruges. That was a weird, a weird appointment. I mean, I kind of like it though, because it's good for, I think, for English managers to go abroad and get experience of different footballing cultures. You don't see too many English managers going abroad and especially with a role where he's in the Champions League. But I don't think I would have hired him if I was in charge of Club Bruges. I'm going to have to root for Club <laughs> Bruges this, on Wednesday. Playing for them. Simon Mignolet, I think, is still the goalkeeper mm. for Bruges. Oh, He's, he's got Champions League experience. Not good Champions League experience, but <laughs> he's got good good up until that final. Uh, oh, no, that was that was Carius, I think. Oh, that was Carius? Oh, my bad. Minilay's an ex-Liverpool goalkeeper, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, why I, that's of, why I mixed it up. One of many. So they got rid of him for Carius and then Carius messed up? Or I, think they were both, I think they were both the backup keepers at one particular time. Mm-hmm. Now, um, before Alisson came in, but yeah, yeah, Minile was the starting keeper, but then Minile lost his spot to Carius in that season. And Carius was doing well in the league. And then 
well, the final, you know, uh, I think it's just yeah. a too big a day for them. Right. So and what I'm seeing, uh, they have some interesting players too. They have Otamendi, they have Julian Draxler, they have David Neres. Those are interesting players. You're talking about Benfica? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Figure, yeah. I mean, I mean, Arka is a World Cup winner now. We thought his <laughs> we thought his career was over when he left Man City. He <laughs> took it to the next level. Yep, and is a World Cup winner. Like started, like started, yeah, yeah. Like they they don't so, have Enzo Fernandez. What a weird. So what? They don't have Enzo Fernandez though anymore. Yeah, yeah. But they have Draxler, who is a pretty good player, I think. Yeah, he is. I like him. Yeah, Benfica surely favourites for that one. Right. And what do you guys think about PSG versus Bayern? Like, this is a titanic, like, matchup. And uh, PSG owes Bayern something for that final that they lost to Bayern. And PSG, this is the last year of Messi. It might be the last year of Mbappe. And Neymar's getting older. And uh, they have to face this Bayern team, like, uh, who, I don't know. I don't, Bayern's had some injuries. I don't know if I mean, Mane's PSG, back. As I say, PSG haven't really come into this with the best prep, though. They lost 3-1 to Monaco at the weekend, mm. um, which is pretty bad for them. I'm just trying to look at their lineup. They Yeah, I was just having a look. Yeah, no Mbappe, no Messi, uh, no Messi, so... Um, yeah, they they've left some people out in that game. Yeah, they had like an eighteen-year-old kid playing in center as a center back. I think he was in the midfield or in the midfield. Uh, they had a few. They had a few and kids, I, and I think he's sixteen <laughs> or seventeen. Or sixteen or seventeen. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think Florida. I think he wants to win uh, against Bayern for sure because Bayern humiliated him several times in the Champions League, <laughs> including yeah. like I think eight-two win. Few years back, yeah, yeah. when he was with uh, Barca. So uh, it's a tough call. Who do you think, Neil? Paris or Bayern? It could be very important. It could be actually a very important result for Chelsea because the rumor is that Chelsea might go after if, if Nagelsmann is fired at some point. They might go after Nagelsmann. Um, I don't know. I haven't really been following either of those teams that much this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if PSG goes out, I think this is a good round for the rest of the uh, rest of the league. Uh, takes one heavyweight out. Um, if PSG goes out, I mean, is that the last we're seeing Lionel Messi in a Champions League game? So, good question. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think it's going to be a good game because uh, it's, it's you know Bayern's had some weaknesses too of late. So yeah, they have been killing it. I don't even know if they're yeah. at the top of the Bundesliga. Like they were like trailing or like just one point ahead of everybody else. It's it's so, tight in the Bundesliga. Yeah. I think Union Berlin's doing well, right? Yeah, yeah. They're se- I think they're second or third. Mm. Oh, whoa. Actually, like even Dortmund's just three points behind them. Yeah, it's mm. tight up there. But 
But then Bayern's been in a tight Bundesliga before and then they pull away at the end. So this is like, yeah. they, they, they kind of like rope-a-dope you. Like mm. they, they kind of at some point, all right, we got to get together, guys. Yeah. We gotta make it. I, don't know if, I don't know if they'll win the whole two legs, but I think PSG will win this game at home with the firepower they've got. Um, I think with their front line, I think they'll just clinch it. I think it'll be maybe by one goal, um, which means I don't know if they'll manage to hold on to it when they go and play at Bayern. But I think each team will win the home game. And mm. it just depends who uh, <laughs> who does best uh, overall or who can get into to extra time if it does go into extra time at the, uh, you know, on the second leg. But yeah, I think PSG will win this one just because they've got a bit more attacking strength. But we'll see. All right. So I'm going to just go back to the Premier League and just run down the tables and then we could get out of here. Let me see. I'm trying to find it on my phone. <laughs> Where is the Prem at? Okay. So last thing I was on was Southampton. And uh, let's see. Standings. Okay. Passed it. One second. All right, so Arsenal's at the top of the table. They got 50 points. Man City is second. They got 45 points. Is this an accurate standing? Let me see. This doesn't make any sense because, yeah, this is it. Arsenal's at the top of 51 points. Man City's at the second for 48 points. Uh, United third with 46 points. That is great to see. From my standpoint, Newcastle is fourth with 41 points. They got Liverpool coming up. That's going to be a tough battle. Draw some blood, Liverpool. Keep Newcastle back. Tottenham is fifth with 39 points. Uh, let's see if they can, you know, move up. Or that. Who you got coming up this week the next time you play, Martin? Um... You know what? I had to check because I was focusing on the Milan game. Mm-hmm. I know that we're playing Chelsea soon, but let me see. Uh, we are playing West Ham, then Chelsea. West Ham first at home and then Chelsea at home. Oh, so you got another derby, another London derby. All right, so we'll see how that is. Is West Ham turning their season around? We'll see. Uh, we got Brighton, they're six with 35 points. Uh, they got like two games in hand on Spurs. Uh, there's Fulham, there's seven. With Those two play each other next this weekend as well, Fulham Brighton. That'd be a good game. Oh, yeah. Hey, Neil, if you want to see some Prime William, check out these <laughs> Fulham games. Like, he scored <laughs> a banger. He, first of all, he scored a banger with his left and then tried the same banger with his right foot at the other end of the pitch and hit the post. Like, I didn't even know this dude had two feet like that. Like, they're just synonymous. He did have two feet because he's naturally a left winger, but always played on the right first because he had hazard on the other side. Yo, he's ambidextrous, bro. But see, you he, see, yeah, yeah, this is how, how karma works. Uh, Neil was trashing too much on the podcast and now he scored against Chelsea. Ahead of mm-hmm. Chelsea, the table is <laughs> like a nightmare for me. <laughs> listen, listen, Neil hates Brazilians, and I'm just saying that to be facetious. My, 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 Emerson, my, Emerson my, had a great weekend. Uh, ex, another ex Chelsea player. I had a great weekend against you guys. Didn't Emerson score against Chelsea? Yeah. 
and Neil wanted him gone. Just underrated. My, my, my I, I like Brazilians who play like Brazilians. My favorite player probably in the Chelsea team right now is Brazilian, Thiago Silva. You just like and, the and, 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 and the way things are going, I think my new favorite player in the Chelsea team is going to be that kid, Andre Santos, who's also Brazilian. So, you know, yeah. We'll see. We, we, we've been handed the raw deal of the whole Brazilian uh, Oh, yeah? Football you ever had Fred? <laughs> yeah, I've had Fred. Even though Fred was player of the match, it's like it wasn't a Brazilian performance. It was like a very defensive English guy performance mm. like he had a lot of like he won a lot of duels so Fred's his props but he, he came on stronger in the second half like and Fred needs to one touch the ball and stop trying to show off just one touch the ball uh Brentford is eight 34 points Liverpool ninth 32 points Chelsea 10th damn 31 points crazy to mention those two teams back to back in this area of the table Aston Villa is right on your ass with their 11th with 28 points. Crystal Palace is 12th with 25 points. Leicester is 13th with 24 points after whooping some Spurs. But uh, uh, Nottingham Forest is 14th with 24 points. Wolves is 15th with 23 points. Wassam is 16th with 20 points. Leeds 17th after losing to Manchester United. At home, two nothing. I don't know. Uh, let me just slow down and just say Ten Hag played. He tried to rest some players, so we had Maguire and Shaw in. Shaw played left center midfielder. I mean, not center midfielder, center defender. And uh, it was a very scrappy game. It's a very ugly game, but we won. And Rashford scored again. A guy Nacho came on, scored, and uh, Ten Hag. He's just not only at substitutions, but changing formations. He's just on it, and also as far as like planning ahead for like the games that we got coming up, and like you know, on on one of the Man United sites, you know, like if you saw that lineup on on this weekend, you're like, why is Maguire back in there? But it was. So what? <laughs> he was the captain. He was the captain. Yeah. When he plays, he's a captain. But it's that must be weird because you know you're not the captain. It's like, but if if listen, if I'm Maguire, I'm like, hey man, just give it to Fernando, Bruno, just give it to Bruno. I'll just come on. But like, if you any of you guys were Maguire, right? Would you continue this charade, or would you? Do, or do you think giving up the band makes you look weak or keeping it makes you look even weaker? Like, what do you think? I think it's good for his, good for his confidence. And Fernandez will do what Fernandez does regardless of whether he has the armband. I think a, a lot of that is symbolic more than anything these days. Mm. You know, Fernandez will still be a leader without it. And, you know, for Maguire coming back into the team, maybe, you know, like I say, good for his confidence. Um, just going back to a point you were making about um, Ten Hag's management as well. It was interesting seeing, you know, I think he's very good at knowing when to use the carrot and when to use the stick because he had a little, he spoke about Garnacho during the week um, and he sort of praised him but also dropped a couple of little lines in there too by saying, you know, if he wants to be a player at this level, he needs 
output as well. Like he's got skill, he's he's causing problems, but he he missed a couple of chances against Leeds at home. Um, and then, you know, he got his chance in this game and he sent, you know, he sat Melia Danny, but he sort of showed him the eyes like he was going to go across goal and then went in at the near post. Um, really oh, good yeah. finish. So, yeah, I mean, Ten Hag, clearly uh, his words had an effect. Yeah, And I don't think he was shitting on him. He was just like... Ten no, Hag that's what I mean. It was... Direct. It was clever. Matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. Because the chances that Garnacho missed in the Leeds game earlier this week, like, they weren't like he didn't miss them in a panic way. It's like mm. somebody, an extra defender came in and made the play, but he was actually calm, cool, and collected. It's just that the other person came in on specifically one of those chances and shut it down. But uh, just for Man United to go to Leeds with no midfield and to use Fred and Sabitza, who's new, and Fred, who is better as a sub starting and Fred eventually winning man of the match. You got to give props to that. You know, just this team is just getting tougher and tougher to beat. And to get a clean sheet, got to give him props. So that's why Leeds is 17th and uh, Everton 18th with 18 points, Bournemouth 19th with 18 points, and Southampton 20th with 50 points. And we're going to be back on Thursday. And we'll talk about Champions League games and we'll talk about Arsenal versus Man City on Thursday. Does anybody want to plug anything before we bounce? Martin, any movies you in coming out? Um anybody yeah, got shows? I am I am in a bunch of films coming out, but uh yeah, you can you can still watch Amsterdam on HBO Max, I believe. Uh you can uh, you can watch the uh, Rayman on Netflix, Stranger Things on Netflix, Staircase on HBO. Uh, what else I wanted to say? I wanted to say something about MLS. I forgot. Uh, there were there were some some interesting moves. Uh, I think MLS starts in a, in about a week, so I'll prepare better for the next one. All right. Uh, I, I'm just going to plug something. That Neil, you got the fantasy league uh, results. I mean, Lee, Lee sorry. Lee, yeah. Um, like the stand, the yeah, I I got it right here. Um, uh, I mean, there there was a brief um, sort of horrible <laughs> period in the last couple of weeks when Martin was top, but he's back down in fifth now. So um, <laughs> we're we're safe. Uh, we're safe from Martin's bragging because um, Martin's had a bad week, the same as me this week. Um, yeah, Bocker FC uh, of uh, Joachim Henriksen is back on top. Um, He's hit 59 points this week, so... Um, Go Boca we'll FC, yes. He's got Mares and Haaland, so he might get some more points from City uh, City Arsenal. He's got Gabriel, Saka and Odegaard as well. So he's got a few more players still to play. So this game week's not complete yet. Um, but yeah, Garjan Lau is second. Oli Olenius, who I've not seen before. Pookie Party, he's in, he's in third. Um, yeah, I'm down... I'm down in in 14th, which I've slipped. Damn, I was I was having a few good weeks, and this week I've just done bad. Like I had had Edison didn't get the clean sheet. I had two Newcastle defenders who they blew the clean sheet. I had Gabriel for Arsenal, we blew the clean sheet. Uh, but I've still got De Bruyne, Haaland, um, Edison, Gabriel, Xhaka, and Martinelli all to play the second game. So who knows? I might pick up some points. 
Um, let me scroll down. Let me scroll down for a couple of minutes to find you <laughs> and uh, Neil. Um, <laughs> Disrespectful, bro. <laughs> hey, you brought up a nine nil earlier. This is just uh, tip of tap right now. Um, Neil, Neil. Neil's Neil's overtaken you, Ian. Neil's up in Get out of here. That's what? How? I haven't even touched my thing like for two months. <laughs> yeah, Neil's Neil's seven Neil's seven points ahead of you. Um, Neil Neil's Neil's in twenty ninth place. Uh, Ian's in thirty. Ian's thirty first out of thirty four. So, oh um, shit! I better start tampering with my team. I'm yeah, I mean, you've got done shit with that team for a while. I better so, not because um, I think that's what's working. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, though you've got um, you've got Bernardo if he plays, and uh, Gabriel and Saliba, um, all to place, and Edison as well all to play this week oh, okay. still. Whereas I don't know if Neil has many people. Who does Neil have? Oh, Neil has De Bruyne, Haaland, and Ake still to oh, play. Damn. So um, you better root for Arsenal, uh, Ian, in this game because you've got more Arsenal oh. players. Neil's got none. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's all fun and games. But yeah, congratulations to uh, Joachim Hemrickson, top of the pile at the moment. Um, but we'll see what happens after the uh, the uh, the game on Wednesday. All right, but and uh, my my question is, how come Arsenal has two games in hand? Like, they, how come they haven't been playing? What type of like vacation schedule are they on? <coughs> so crazy to me. <laughs> They only play 21 games. Everyone else, only other team like that is Brighton, Liverpool. Yeah, Brighton and Liverpool. Fine. Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comics. Same thing on Twitter. And uh, my show schedule is there. Just click the link tree and you'll see my dates. I'll put more up. Martin, you plug your stuff. Uh, Neil, you got anything? At Sars Liar and uh, yeah, little less fighting guys. <laughs> what what do you mean? Have people been coming at you? Yeah, yeah, a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'll just add my Instagram, Martin uh, underscore Harris LA. That's my Instagram. I don't have Twitter, right. so my Instagram, Martin uh, underscore Harris LA. All right, you got anything, Lee? I mean, oh uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Go ahead. As I say, just at Lee Hudson Comedy on uh, on Instagram. I'm at the Backyard Comedy Club in East London on Thursday, if anyone's around that part of town. Um, and then, yeah, I'll be next week, be coming out coming out your your guys' side. So um, I have a few shows out there. I'll post about them on uh, online as well near the time. Yeah, for those of you watching and listening, Martin and Lee have never met. It's just all <laughs> on Zoom. I think, oh yeah, I know what we f- forgot to mention. We forgot to mention the Ancelotti to Brazil thing, right? It's not confirmed, but it's 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 yeah. heavily rumoured, I believe. So, Pretty much done deal. M- Martin, we- we're going to have a show where we all go to All Things Comedy on March 2nd and do it in studio. So I'm just going to tell you the date now. So mm-hmm. try to put that in your calendar. We just all go there because Lee's going to be in town from England. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I mentioned that you guys have never met in person before, <laughs> all on Zoom. So he's going to be in town on February 23rd. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. Uh, comment. And uh, we'll get back at you. And thank you. Stay good. Be good. One.
Ich bin Gas.